Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our July hot-scented and fashion-driven Inspirations for a Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is now live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. July's theme is A Summer of Smiles and Happiness, Our Blessed Moments. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. As for our radio show today, my guest for this morning is Dr. Irvin Lazio. Dr. Irvin was born in Budapest, Hungary. He was a celebrated child prodigy on the piano and had performed for the public since the age of nine. After receiving a grand prize at the International Music Competition in Geneva, Dr. Irwin was allowed to leave Hungary and begin an international concert career, first in Europe, then in America. In 1970, he received Sorbonne's university highest degree, which shifted his life towards becoming a scientist and humanist. Dr. Irwin lectured at various universities in America, including Yale and Princeton. In the late 70s and early 80s, he ran global projects at the United Nations Institute of Training and Research at the request of the Secretary General. In the 90s, his research led him to discover the Akashic field. As a renowned authority on science and philosophy, Dr. Irwin is the author, co-author's or editor of 101 books translated into over 23 languages. He has contributed hundreds of papers and articles in scientific journals and magazines and was twice nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Dr. Irwin is the founder and president of the international think tank, the Club of Budapest, and the prestigious Lazio Institute of New Paradigm Shift. With humanity facing its greatest series of simultaneous crises, Dr. Irwin's latest book, The Survival Imperative, Upshifting to Conscious Evolution, offers a scientifically-based perspective of what is called for at this critical juncture of our existence, a phase of upshift to higher levels of order and coherence to keep us on our evolutionary path. As for our kitchen table conversation this morning, Dr. Irwin and I will be talking about his remarkable life's journey and how we can all upshift ourselves to evolve to our inherent next level of excellence from his book, The Survival Imperative, Upshifting to Conscious Evolution. It is good morning in America. However, it is good evening to you, Dr. Irwin, in Italy. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? Oh, it's good to be with you, Johnny. I'm doing fine. Looking Fantastic. forward to this talk. It's wonderful and a pleasure to have you with me. The Survival Imperative, Upshifting to Conscious Evolution, is an excellent read, extremely informative and empowering. So congratulations on its release, Dr. Irwin. Well, uh, Johnny, I just hope that people take it seriously because there is a survival imperative. It's not automatic that we survive. We are really, really in a challenging situation. But I think our prospects are very good if we can mm-hmm. just get together a minimum of consciousness and, and ethical responsibility. I think we can master our own destiny. 
Yes, sir. No doubt about it. Your book is beautifully done, so that's really fantastic. Let us start by getting to know you a little better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. My gosh, that's not a simple question. <laughs> I, I like to talk, sometimes talk about reincarnations, like I would have had a ah, yes. life, and then I have a reincarnation without having to leave this body, a reincarnation mm-hmm. in it. Because I've had such fundamental changes. I grew up as a child prodigy. You know, from the age of nine, Mm -hmm. I've been playing public concerts in various parts of the world. And uh, then when I was already in my teens, I became very interested in so-called big questions of life, Mm -hmm. including just what am I I doing in life when I'm just playing the piano for people? Is that all I want to do in life? Of course, it's a very noble, beautiful thing. But I said, I said to myself, hey, maybe there is something else I want to do. And then I started reading up on it, took, took, uh, made friends with young people who were into philosophy and history and, and, and future studies, and started attending courses, first at Columbia University, then in Munich, Germany, and became an academic. Mm-hmm. I, became, I got an, a, a book got published without my actually intending it like that. It just happened to be picked up by an editor who saw my notes on it, and it was published. And when it was published, then uh, it so happened that the philosophy department's chairman at Yale mm-hmm. University uh, got it into his hand and invited me to come to Yale. So there I was with a music degree before me, but nothing else on philosophy or science. I'm being invited to Yale to talk to students and to give research seminars. And that then I met people of great interest and then I became, I got an honorary degree from, from the Sorbonne in Paris and became an, an academic, became a member of a faculty at the State University of New York. And from there, my task, my life took me to Princeton to the Center of International Studies, where I got involved in in the future studies, studies really which nowadays are known as the studies of of our destiny, of our of our evolution. Mm-hmm. How, how can we assure that we leave we have a good future ahead of us? Can we do something about it now? And so in in Princeton, I gave talks on this at the Woodrow Wilson School. And that caught the attention of people at the United Nations. I was asked for seven years. I served at the United Nations as director of research. And that took me further into the area of, of uh, how do we manage our world? What, how do we take our destiny into our own hand? Future studies in a very serious way, not just about the future, but about the present. How do we manage our present so we do have a future? And I published several books. Altogether, you know, I published over 100 books. And there are several of these were published while I was at the United Nations. So Fantastic. there I was, an activist. And that's what I became an activist. And I retired from the UN. I did not go back to my university because I felt that I need more freedom than, than the academic environment could produce, could provide for me. And mm-hmm. so I continued on my own, created an institute, the Laszlo Institute of New Paradigm Research, they created uh, the Club of Budapest, a kind of a think tank of high-level intellectuals. And all these things got me, got me going into a new phase, into this last reincarnation of my life, which mm-hmm. is the futurist activist reincarnation. That's wonderful. That really is wonderful. Why did you author The Survival Imperatives? 
Well, because if we have really have a question of survival, you know. Yeah. This is a very vulnerable planet. All the all everything is connected with everything else, but everything is so vulnerable. If some things are not sustainable, it will break down other things. You now notice this incredible heat wave that we're living through. Yes. And that was an unexpected and and uh, well, we knew that it's going to warm up, but it's come so fast and it's such a, a, a dimensions it was not known. And that also is an effect of that we could have foreseen, and now we should foresee, and we should see that uh, how what we do today affects our future. So I started writing down the ideas that I think are essential for people to have a good future and not to become extinct, so to speak. Right. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm reminded of a story. I had a very good friend, Peter Houston, mm-hmm. the famous playwright. He's a, he was a humorist, a wonderful person. He got mm-hmm. a new passport and the passport was valid for 10 years. And, and I asked him, what would you like to do? with your new passport. What is your ambition? He said, I'd like I'd like to make sure that I don't expire before my passport. <laughs> uh, That's was, a good one. He, he was in the late 80s then, and so actually he did. But uh, he, I had such wonderful friends uh, who were accompanying me on my on my voyage. That's really wonderful. Well, your book is fantastic. It's a wonderful guidebook. It's very well written, and it's easy read that's the most important thing to me when you talk about something in a way is sophisticated and yet it's not sophisticated how do we start the journey of upshifting change is start by ourselves you know gandhi said be mm-hmm. the change that you want to see in the world we must be the change we must change first if we change the people around us change the world around us will also change the latest evidence shows, you know, that it needs only 5% of the population who start thinking and acting in a different way to catch mm-hmm. on and possibly change the whole way that the system behaves, how society behaves. The famous anthropologist Margaret Mead said that never doubt the power of a small group of people to change the world. And right. she had nothing else ever did. So I think when we change ourselves, it's not futile. It's not just an exercise in in idealist utopia. It's really something that we do. We are part of this system. It's a vulnerable system close to chaos. Now, that's an interesting thing. Chaos is normally thought to be as just disorder. Mm -hmm. Chaos is much more than that. It's a highly sensitive state in which very small inputs can blow up and change the behavior of the system. Normal right. systems are fairly stable, living systems. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. But mm-hmm. then many systems also become extinct. And we are now on the point where our very survival is in question. Right. If we continue to dry up the the, the oceans, the heat, heat up the air, if we get aridity in the, in the fertile lands, if we exhaust our energy resources, uh, uh, misuse our information, all that. There's so many ways we could we could go bad. Right. All of those things could could come could come together, compile one on top of the other, and create a catastrophe. I don't want to paint a doomsday picture. I just want mm-hmm. to say that we are at a very interesting time. You know, that's how the Chinese right. you probably know it is that every time there's a change in dynasty which occurred every few hundred years for them. Right. These are interesting times. 
Right. We live right. indeed in interesting times and in time of opportunity, not only danger, but opportunity as well. And I'd like right. to contribute to making the best of that opportunity. Right. It's true. Well, in reading your book, the most important thing for me is like life goes in one direction forward. And I say this respectfully, we human beings, right? Yeah, we age, we get older and so forth. So, well, what? The planet is a living thing where we live. And Absolutely. it goes in one direction, <laughs> forward. <laughs> it's called evolution. There you go. <laughs> used to be thought that evolution only only applies to living systems, to species, to the right. DNA. It now turns out that everything is in change. Mm -hmm. From the Big Bang onwards, when this right. whole universe was born, what, 13.7 billion years ago, current calculations say, mm -hmm. everything is in change. And that change affects everything together. Right. We are part of that change. So right. there we are, an active agent at a crucial point in our history on Earth. Mm -hmm. life, on evolution, life and evolution on Earth would continue without us. That's but right. It would, be, it would be a pity, first of right. all, for us, because we have already got this far. And right. we are still a remarkable species. We have a high level of consciousness, not the right. most perfect but already a very sensitive, a very articulate consciousness. We can also ask who we are, what this world is, and are we acting for the, for the best way in this, to the best for everybody, or, or is there something we could change or should change? Right. So we are an inquiring species. We can ask mm -hmm. ourselves whether we can improve. And so right. we, we, have, we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to the planet, to this living blue-green planet to become a species that, that furthers, promotes evolution on this earth, the so-called Gaia system, the living system mm -hmm. of life. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Can you tell us what is the number one challenge we can anticipate in initiating our own upshifting process? Because we talk about, oh, yeah, oh, let's do it and all this. And then, of course, as you know, the first hurdle we hit, nah, forget it. <laughs> so can you help us uh, with that? You said it, Johnny. Act. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. Important to envisage, right. to imagine, to have, it, to have the vision to, to look for something new, but mm -hmm. then to follow up, to act. Mm -hmm. You know, as I said, I'm, I worked for the UN for seven years, and during that time, I witnessed so many big projects that didn't go through. When it finally came to action, people said, there is no political will, you know. That was the standard excuse. But, yeah. uh, you know, now is the time when we can't use that excuse anymore because we are in danger ourselves. We must learn to act. We must have the insight. In my right. book, I try to provide some basic insight. What kind of beliefs do we need? What kind of behaviors do we need? How much we relate to each other and to nature? It's all there. It, it, we, we can know it. It's, mm -hmm. it's not a mystery. It's not uh, something that, that we can just uh, stand dumbfounded in front of. It's something that we can do. The task is there. The mission is here. And our generation, the young generation, especially today, is that privileged generation that has mm -hmm. in hand the whole future, the destiny of humanity. Move forward, evolve further, along a natural path, or try to ignore that, go perhaps against it, and blindly run into chaos that will create a, a disaster. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's true. 
I believe that your book is perfect timing in the sense that, number one, obviously, well, hello world, we're facing a traumatic experience right now globally in terms of the weather and, and so forth. But having said that, the timing is perfect simply because all the information is readily available. Because if we were to, say, step backwards, say, 50 years ago, we have to, for lack of a better term, we have to pick up a book, go to the library, or waiting for somebody to report it. Now everything is available on the internet, and that's the good news. Because to me, the information you have is priceless, and to help people to get on the right track of consciousness about making the shift. Can you share with us the achievable vision that we can enjoy with the success of a conscious evolution? Well, be sustainable, livable, create a livable world. Go with the force. You know, young people at Star yeah. Wars talked about go with the force. Yeah. And there is a force. And it's not a supernatural force. It's the force of evolution, the force mm-hmm. of nature. Mm-hmm. Everything in nature is set up to work in such a way that it joins together with others, creates a larger shift. Sure, there is conflict also in nature. There is also a food chain. But there is no winter uh, violence. Everything serves a purpose. Ultimately, nature, everything works with everything else to create the whole system, to promote the whole system, to evolve us together. So we must learn from nature, not need to literally emulate it, because after all, we are a different species than the others. Mm-hmm. But learn to respect the boundaries. Learn to go with the natural force. One thing that's most important I want to emphasize, Johnny, is that the information, the motivation is not outside. It's not something we learn. It's something that we experience in us. If we just mm-hmm. allow it to come forward, we know that we are basically beings that are set up to live together, to share, and to love. That's our very basic nature. It doesn't seem like it when we look at today's right. world. But right. underneath, underneath it all, there's a development. More and more people are coming together. They are now beginning to work on the planetary scale. We are right. talking about fighting climate change or right. trying to keep dictators at bay or, or trying to create a, a better environment for, for big cities for refugees and so on. We are operating now already on a global scale. And we are trying to organize our life on this small planet so that 8 billion humans will carry this planet forward so that it will be livable. The old idea of harmony, you know, it's it's all Eastern religions are in search of harmony. The Tao, you know, the Dantas. I think basically the Old Testament as well in the Christianity we are talking about finding something, how things can go together, how can support each other, mm-hmm. harmony and peace. And I dedicate this book to the, to the search to, for harmony and peace on earth. It's right. a realistic search. We right. can find it. It's up to us. We must be the change. It's the shift, the upshift. The upshift is to a higher levels of working together, understanding that we are all needed on this earth. And we can all do it together, just like in our body. Every cell is right. needed. You can't cut out a set of cells and expect the body to be healthy afterwards. You know, everything, every human being is needed. And you all right. together can create the new world. That's the message. We can 
by looking into ourselves, just allowing our deeper nature, the mm -hmm. force that motivates us. That's the mm -hmm. force of evolution. Is that in nature? Is that in society? Traditional societies act accordingly, mostly. Right. Modern societies thought we could separate ourselves off. We are above nature. We are something something different from nature. And that's a big mistake. Einstein says separateness is the biggest illusion that we have. Right, right. You know, so the chance is here. The exciting times. You and I, we can talk about it and we can follow it up by doing what we talk about. I try to do it. I know you try to do it. I hope our listeners should try to do it. It's not difficult. It's doing what comes natural. More, right. more, be more loving. Be more caring. Be more considerate. And together, respect the limits within which we can live a good life. Right, right. This is the team deal. This is not an individual. It starts with the individual making a conscious choice. But the interesting thing about it, I mean, I live here in America, and sometimes we look at it, well, who cares what happened over there? It's not over here. It's not my, for a lack of better term, it's not part of my neighborhood. Who cares? Well, guess what? The global warming now has been experienced by everyone. <laughs> so, you're not immune to it. Right now, this very moment, the entire United States is under heat warning and, of course, flooding in certain areas, catastrophic flooding, that is. So we're not talking about this the normal thing. So it's a wake-up call that our beautiful Mother Earth is telling us we need to pick up that phone call. Exactly, Johnny. I'm so glad that you <laughs> mentioned that we must issue such a call. I have a project yeah. from Budapest to ask people to report on threats that people have not recognized so far yeah. that are real threats to, to, that we need to take into account. And then issue wake-up calls. Yeah. You know, we, must be, we must be open, with open eyes and ears to survey our situation and to act in time. Very often, things that you can handle now become irreversible in time. You know, it's right. things like cancer. If you wait too long, you know, you can't help it anymore. Precisely. But Precisely. So we are still in a situation which is not that critical. It's critical only in the sense that it decides whether it does become really critical. And yeah, but just one more thing I want to add to this, Johnny, to what yeah. you said. There are no foreigners. There are no strangers. That's right. It's only us on this right. world. Yeah. Us together with living nature together. There is no other country. There is no other society. There is no other people. They are us in a different form. And we must learn to live with them because we all are needed for to survive. Together we survive. Separately, we, we are going to our, dooms, to our doomsday. It's true. It's very true. Maybe some people need the concept of the enemy of our enemy or my enemy is our friend. So basically, we all got to be friends now because the biggest enemy is global warming, <laughs> environmental um, change. Yeah, they say we have met the enemy and it's us. You know? Yeah. Short sighted, yeah. not narrow minded thinking. That's precisely. That's the right. first thing we could engage in. Or complacency. Anyway, things will take care of themselves. I don't need to do anything special. Or let me just do, take care of myself and that's all I need to do. Yeah. Well, Oh, sure, you need to take care of yourself, you need to take care of your family. You need to survive to become a positive element of change. Right. But you also are a part of a larger community, a community of life. That's and right. must act according to that role. You're no longer instinctive being. You can no longer just 
close our eyes and say, okay, our instincts will guide us to us. Sure, they'll guide us, but in the end, we have to get up and go and, right. get, and, and act. That's the big mm-hmm. challenge. It's true. It's very true. Well, my mom taught me years ago that we don't live underneath a coconut shell. <laughs> we got to venture out a little bit. <laughs> we must, must venture out because the out is also in. It's also right. out. Right. This whole life sphere, the life on Earth, which we call the Gaia, mm-hmm. this living system, is all us. The new quantum sciences tell us that all the information that's in that system is in us, in each particle of our body. Mm-hmm. So that system is in us, just the way, the same way that we are in that system. We are all like a giant hologram. Where mm-hmm. Every part is reflected in, in everything is reflected in every part. You know. It's a new concept of who we are. Traditionally, they have intuited something like this. You know, the Eastern right. traditions, the great right. Chinese systems, for example. But now we know it's a scientific experiment. There is no separation. Everything is instantly and beyond space and time connected. That's the right. world in which we have got to live. That's the world in which we live. You've got to master it, to manage it. Otherwise, it's at our own expense. Well, the beauty of it, though, what I look at, Dr. Irwin, is that science is now validating what probably before that come across like, oh, well, it's just intuitive. That's you worry too much or this and that. Real life circumstances, right? Situation. But what happens is that, guess what? you got pure signs validating this is real, guys. Wake up and yes. accept it. It's validating a force. Mm-hmm. That force, which I call the force of evolution. Mm-hmm. In scientific terms, it's called an attractor, a holotropic attractor. It's an attraction in nature, in the universe, toward right. wholeness in yes. human beings. It's expressed a motivation towards loving each other, right. towards having an unconditional love not only just what we get out of it, but what we can offer. Being yes. people who can act, who can share, and not only receive and always get from us, some others. You know, this we have tried to do it on a national level. Now we've got to do it on the global level too. That's correct, yeah. There it's not no my neighborhood things. anymore. It's not my neighborhood anymore. It's it, it our neighborhood, but now <laughs> the globe is our neighborhood. <laughs> That's right. There you go. There you go. Before, like, ah, well, who cares? It's not my neighborhood. But guess what? It is your neighborhood. And then the funny thing about it is that what you're talking about, as individual, if all of us act, one, a hundred, a thousand, a million, before you knew it, hundred million, a billion people acting. That's what this is all about. That's what is known as the critical mass. Mm -hmm. And the more unstable the system, the smaller the needed, the needed critical mass, because even a little push will have a big effect. <laughs> you know, if you have a very stable system, you know, rigid, uh, uh, whether through a law or some dictator or whatever, right. and you need the real violence to overthrow it. But when you have an unstable system as you have, then you have to keep your eyes open and mm-hmm. act, follow your instincts, follow your intuition. And yeah. then you'll find that the science supports you. Yeah. Science supports, as you say, the intuition that the mankind has had for thousands of years. Now we know it. We are connected. We are evolving. We are mm-hmm. moving toward higher levels of being, mm-hmm. which is expressed as higher levels of relating to each other, 
is love and concern and care and kindness. All that is not just utopia. It's a survival requirement. It's the survival imperative. Right. So true. Well, so please tell us a little bit more about the international think tank. I know you mentioned a little bit about it earlier, the Club Budapest, and also about the prestigious Lazio Institute of New Paradigm Shift. Well, these are all attempts to bring people together mm-hmm. who are willing to open, our eyes, open their eyes and willing to act. The Club of Budapest was originally being founded on the basis of a, of a manifesto that I wrote mm-hmm. with the Dalai Lama in the 90, late 1990s. In 1996 or so, we published this manifesto, which I wrote together. And then we got together some famous people. Liv Ullmann, who was a famous Swedish actress at the time. Uh, Peter Houston, as I mentioned. Yehudi Menuhin, a big, great violinist. And I, we have brought together two dozen famous people, and they founded what we called a club in the same sense in which in the 1970s there was this think tank, the Club of Rome, they published Limits to Growth, which had a big effect on recognizing that we can't just blindly keep growing, we have to find out which way to go to grow. So Club of Budapest is a group, informal group of influential decision makers, influential opinion makers, who get together and issue reports once in a while. Right now, I have a project going for the Club of Budapest, which is called the Unrecognized Threats Advisory. Unrecognized Threats. Open your eyes and recognize threats that people have not taken seriously. Mm -hmm. If you have such ideas, send it to the Club of Budapest. We give you an address, and then we issue a wake-up call. We try to motivate change in that regard. But yeah. we have got to have our eyes and ears open, and I try to make that that Club of Budapest an instrument for open eyes and open ears. The Glasgow Institute, in turn, is a scientific research body mm-hmm. looking at the new way of organizing our life according to the insights that we get from the new sciences, from quantum science, from evolutionary science, from the new psychology and new psychiatry, the new concept of consciousness, all that enters into a new view of the world. And we and the, the Lazo Institute are dedicated to researching that, publishing books. We published several books on that, in doing seminars and, 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 and webinars, and we inviting people to come join together. So that if you want to find out more, you can look it also on the internet at the Lazo Institute. Uh, I welcome people who collaborate. It's an open enterprise. We've got to work together to come to better insights, to deep insights, mm-hmm. how we can live on this earth in such a way that we can all live together right. and right. evolve together. Fantastic. In summary, what essential lessons would you like for the readers to gain from reading The Survival Imperative? That we are at the most exciting, fascinating period of the history of this species, mm-hmm. or the history of life probably on Earth. Live up to it. Don't go with closed eyes through that life. Keep it open and recognize the tremendous chance we have of becoming an actor, becoming an architect of our own future, mm-hmm. of our own destiny. It is now that it is now possible because we are in a process which is in science is known as a bifurcation, is a changing of the a forking of the road, as it were. And yes. that point is always highly available to change, highly vulnerable 
highly unstable, but harbors actually the seeds of a new world, of a new development. We are perhaps evolving to the next level. It's a very complicated and complex and difficult evolutions, full of problems, full of odds, full of regression, full of violence. But underneath it all, it goes forward. We are moving together into a higher level of existence on this earth, more together than ever before, simply because we cannot be otherwise. We can only live and survive and thrive together. Fantastic. That's really wonderful. Where can someone go to get more information about you, buy your books, and keep up with your latest happenings? Well, all my books have a separate site. There are several sites under my name, Elvin Lazio. But you can look at elvelazlo.com books, elvelazlobooks.com. And you have my all the listing of my latest book and also how you can get them. Uh, let me mention this. That the book that you're talking about is The Survival Imperative. Mm-hmm. I have a book that I finished writing together with several of my colleagues. In fact, there are 35 contributors to this new book. which will be published at the end of September. And it's called The Great Upshift. It will be a kind of a Bible of the upshift mm-hmm. movement. Mm-hmm. You know? And I'm trying to promote these ideas. They're realistic ideas, but not just pie in the sky. They're yes. things we can do and things we must do. And people who go to the Internet up for looking for my under, under my name, you'll find all the websites for the Institute, for the Club of Budapest, and for my books. But it's up to them then how they want to follow it up. But I've written it to be to be shared. It's not written for to to as, as a mystery or just to serve my own interest. If I'm not getting anything out of it, I'm putting it in the hands of people so that they can do something with it to assure a better life for themselves and for people around them. Fantastic! That's really wonderful. By the way, as we close our show, since our show is about people, family, and living life. Would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? My recipe for living? Yes, Live sir. full life. Experience. Experience life. Experience the intellect. Experience the feeling. Experience the intuition. And join together with others. That's the recipe. The recipe is to be what we are meant to be. Whole beings living in the whole world. All that conflict, all that disunity is a transitory phenomenon. It will blow over if only we ourselves put ourselves beyond it. That is our chance. That is our mission. And a tremendous opportunity to create our own destiny. The motto is conscious evolution. Be conscious that you are evolving and evolve consciousness. Wow. That's awesome. That's truly, truly awesome. Dr. Irvin, thank you so much for the wonderful and powerful recipe for living and spending this time with me. It's been a true honor and a pleasure, sir. Thank you again, and have a very blessed day. Johnny, it's a pleasure. It's my pleasure, and it's something that we do, not just for each other. We do it for people around us. We are all part of this. We are all in it together. And it's good to share our ideas about it so that we can go beyond the current problems into a better future. Yes, sir. There's no doubt about it. You have my vote on that, sir. Thank you again. Take care and bye-bye. Bye-bye. To all our listeners, 
please join me next Wednesday morning, August 2nd, at 10 a.m. Central Time, U.S. My guest will be Jessica Formicola. Jessica is the creator of Savory Experiments and a regular contributor to Parade Magazine, The Daily Meal, and Better Homes and Gardens. Her work has been featured on CNN, Huffington Post, Country Living, and numerous cooking channel shows. Jessica and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest book, Beef It Up, 50 Mouth-Watering Recipes for Ground Beef, Steaks, Stews, Roasts, Ribs, and more. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week.